Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VSIN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Let's go on to the Ravens. So if we take a step back earlier, the look at line on this game was as high as Bucks minus three. I saw Bucks minus four. But because the Bucks have played so poorly, they've lost for their last five. You lose outright to Carolina. Disgusting, embarrassing loss. 21 to three as a 13 point favorite. And then you look at the other side with Lamar Jackson, won three of his last five. He beat uh, the Browns 23-20, didn't cover as a a six-and-a-half-point favorite there. But it would make total sense that, hey, grab the points when that was kind of an early dog play to the Ravens. We saw that line flip to the Ravens all the way to Ravens, minus two, minus two-and-a-half. I'm like, okay, line's going to Ravens, makes total sense. Brady's playing terrible right now. The Ravens look like the play in this one. But here's why I think if you're betting on the NFL in particular, you don't make snap judgments too early in the week because things can change. Injury alerts, different things can happen. The, the, the market can kind of you know maybe tip its hand a little bit later in the week than it does earlier in the week. So if you asked me about this game a few days ago, I'd be like, okay, definitely Baltimore's taking the action. But everything changed, guys, over the last 24, 48 hours. You saw a hint yesterday when actually the Ravens were minus two. They got down to minus one. And why is that notable? Because 80% of bets at DraftKings are taking Baltimore in this spot. They want no part of Tom Brady. They've seen enough of Tom Brady. Maybe he should have stayed retired and stayed with with Giselle. But that's not happening here. The line is going to Brady. It got down to a pick It flipped overnight to minus one, minus one and a half, minus two. I love this steam move here toward Tom Brady. You're contrarian in a heavily bet game. It's the ultimate buy low spot on the GOAT. 80% of bets here on Baltimore, yet the Lions going to TB12. I money line Tampa in this spot. I really like him as a ultimate buy low, sell high, sell high play. You also get Thursday night football in general. Uh, you've seen favorites do pretty well, about home favorites, 56% ATS. So I love this late movement toward Tampa. Could be injury related too, guys. You know, you have injuries on both sides, but the big one will be Mark Andrews. He hasn't practiced all week. If he's out, Lamar Jackson's number one target is now missing in this game. But look at that bet split. Trendy dog, Baltimore, 80% of bets. Uh, now they're the dog in this spot. I got to go Tampa. I'm going to buy low on TB12. Give me bucks money line tonight around minus 130. Like the call there by you, Josh, on this one. I want to go to this point total here. Um, because it's 46. I have to be honest with you. I thought it was a little bit higher than I anticipated. Not that the Ravens have been great defensively. They're far from it. But Tampa, combined with their offense and their defensive capability, it just seemed like a big number. It does seem like a big number, Amal. And this is kind of a difficult one and why I really want no part of this total. I'm with you. If we take a step back, number one, these unders have been so good this Mm -hmm. year in the NFL in general. They're like 60%. The primetime unders have been really a cash cow here. I think they're like 15 and seven, something like that. Thursday night football unders uh, last uh, so far this year, they're five and two to the under They're 17 and eight to the under since the start of 2019. That's almost a 70% clip to the Thursday night football unders. And then also we have two really good under teams. Tampa is six and one to the under the Ravens are five and two to the under. So we have all of these great under trends, you know, historically in with these two individual teams, but yet this total is rising. That's why I think it's a difficult cap here. Again, you opened some shops as low as I think it was like 44 and a half. You're up to 45 and a half now 46 
this is a no bet for me. And I think when you're betting and specifically what I look at is I want the historical edge to line up with the present day edge. And the present day line is moving up to the total. You have all these indicators to the under. This is a classic no bet. I don't see a clear edge either way. All right, so with that number, as you mentioned, uh, Josh, it has gone up. I'm seeing some twos now up there as well. So the steam keeps coming in on the Buccaneers. You got the best of that number, obviously, getting it last week when they were or earlier in the week when they were plus money. Uh, and certainly that has flipped. Let's get to some Sunday tilts here, Josh, and get your thoughts on them. Uh, one in particular is the one overseas here with the Broncos against the Jaguars. It looks like Russell Wilson, who was a full participant uh, in practice, is going to give it a go. Not a lot of line movement so far in this one that I've seen as this week has gone on. Still two and a half for the Jaguars here. Uh, what do you make and do your, do your system handicaps change for international games versus games played traditional uh, home and aways here in the States? So it's a great question here, Dave. To be honest with you, you know, I look into it saying, hey, there must be a clear edge either way with these London games. You're, you know, obviously across the pond, different factors, different stadiums. You have no true home team. It's kind of a, you know, both teams neutral site here. But to be honest with you, you know, I've been looking at this data for quite a while, over 10 years at this point. There's no clear edge. You know, favorites, dogs, it's pretty much even. Over-unders, it's pretty much even. So just specifically, like when I look to primetime games, I'm always like, oh, I, I'm automatically like the dog in the under. London, there's no clear edge either way. So you can kind of just, you know, not look at the past for any kind of edge. So obviously let's go to the current data here. The one thing that's notable to me, guys, is that when you did have Russell Wilson getting plus three against the Jaguars, there was that tweet that came out that he was like doing jumping jacks on the plane, <laughs> which this guy can't be more insufferable if he tried, in my opinion. But uh, plus three down to two and a half. That told me that if Wilson's ready to go, it's not ripping and it's Wilson. You missed the key number there of three, but to me that was really the only thing that was notice noticeable to me. When Wilson was plus three, it got hit. It's back down to two and a half. From now until Sunday morning, does it creep back up to three? That would be a good sign on the Jags. Does it creep back down to two? I mean, I would lean here with the, with uh, Denver. I'd lean a little bit under as well. Denver's a good under team. You did see this total fall like 40 down to like 39, 39 and a half. But again, the only thing I saw notable was the three down to two and a half. That told me you got a little respect in money when Wilson was doing his jumping jacks at 30,000 feet <laughs> at the plus three came in there with the, with the Broncos. Yeah, that's interesting. And I agree with your take on Russell Wilson here. I mean, look, if they were winning, people would be able to tolerate it, but they're not. And I have to be honest with you. He better save all his mobility and movements for the field because he doesn't look like he can move or throw the ball anymore. Um, it's, it's going to be tough to back them in this particular spot. Josh, so far we're getting towards the halfway mark of the NFL season. Uh, any particular teams that stand out for you, whether it be for the Super Bowl or a particular conference? Because Dave and I were talking, as well as Philly's played, mm -hmm. there's still some concerns there. Nobody else looks like a true contender in the NFC. And in the AFC, it looks like a two-horse race right now. Yeah, I think it's a great, uh, great question here, Amal. So number one, I do like the trade that Philly made, bringing in Robert Quinn. This is a team that you know really builds through its offensive defensive line. I think they gave a fourth round pick to get Quinn. I like that that angle there. Obviously, Eagles though at plus five hundred, you're like, oh, they're they're playing great. Their adjusted win total. Remember, if you go back in the offseason, that was the number one like biggest line mover for a win total. I think it would open at like eight and a half, got up to nine and a half. Uh, when they started playing well, it got up to just adjusted like eleven. I think it might be like 12, 12 and a half now. But again, as betters, we don't want to be late to the party. So I think you missed a lot of value here on the Eagles. The Bills obviously have been the favorite here from start to finish. The team that I'm interested in, guys, will be the Kansas City Chiefs. I just feel like they're kind of flying under the radar. They made a trade today for the Giants wide receiver, Kadarius Toney. Uh, Mahomes is, is playing fantastic here. The, uh, all the love is for the Eagles and obviously the Bills, and deservedly so. But to me, the Chiefs are a team that 
Are we sleeping on the Kansas City Chiefs? That's something that I'd be looking toward here. To me, the Chiefs are a team at plus 700 that still could have some value for the Super Bowl. Absolutely, Josh. I'm right there with you. I'll be very interested to see what they do with Tony now that they got him, uh, the former first-round pick from the Giants. I know, Josh, we've got about a minute and a half here. You've got to play in the NBA you like tonight and also the NHL. Let's start off in the NBA. I believe it's between the Mavs and the Nets. I cannot wait to get, get your take on this game. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I really like this angle here for uh, the Dallas Mavericks here, Dave. And to me, what I look at in particular, line movement, but then also other factors like rest first tired. So this is a good rest first tired angle for the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks, this was actually like a pick em game. Early numbers are even like Nets as a short favorite. We've now seen overnight the Mavericks flip to minus two, minus two and a half. Now they're up to minus three. It's a good angle because you look at Brooklyn. They're on the second leg of a back-to-back. They lose yesterday to Milwaukee. Then you got to travel. This is their third game in four days. Meanwhile, Dallas hasn't played. This is their second game in just the last five days. So Doncic is rested. They're ready to go. Uh, Dallas is number one offensive efficiency. Brooklyn is number 19. I know it's a small sample. The season just started. But also defensively, Dallas 13, Brooklyn number 26. I'm going with this line move. Give me the money line here on the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, shop around. I think at this point you're like minus 140, something like mm-hmm. that. Then also, guys, hockey. Uh, another angle here, rest versus tired. Favorite versus team on a back-to-back. Cash last night with the Islanders. Give me Smashville, the Nashville Predators here. They open as low as like minus 140. They're up to minus 170. That favorite versus team on a back-to-back. It's been great this year. I think it's now 17-5, and 15-7, and seven, something like that. Hockey's a big sport where if you get a couple days off, the other team is tired, big advantage. So the Mavs and the Predators, both rest versus tired system plays tonight. Great stuff from our national star that you see on oh, Monday Night on. Football. Josh <laughs> Applebaum, we appreciate it, brother. Uh, great insight as always. We'll catch up again soon. David them all. Thanks, guys. Good luck Thank tonight. You. There he is. Follow him on Twitter as I do at Josh underscore insights. When we come back, Mike Pritchard's going to join the program. Can't wait to get his thoughts on Russell cooking in Denver. Come on back. It's Big Bets on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. VEASAN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Get everything VEASAN has to offer for the rest of the football season for just $99. Sign up now. Get VEASAN Pro access all the way through the Super Bowl, which includes our Pro Picks daily recap of the top plays made by VEASAN's show hosts and guests. Pro tools like our exclusive betting splits. Pro tips, actionable insights to help up your betting game. Deep dives daily into the NBA, NHL, and the World Series. Plus our upcoming college basketball, college bowl, and Super Bowl betting guides. Give yourself an edge. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe to get your $99 mid season special today that's vsin dot slash subscribe back alongside Amal Shaw we want to give our pro tip out for hour number one we we had uh, great conversations obviously with uh, Jimmy Vaccaro and Brent Musburger with Mattress Mac and Amal I thought Brent the godfather of sports gambling gave out a great one to Mattress Mac if you remember Mac did have the Bengals in the Super Bowl now had he taken the points he's gonna win yep he went money line and it came up a little bit, uh, I would say unlucky because it felt like the Bengals were the better side most of that game. But Brent's simple advice was, hey, if you're going to bet big, and this is why the show is called Big Bets, you might want to think about <laughs> sprinkling a little bit there, not just on the money line, but take a little bit of those points if you're betting a dog so that, hey, if one wins, I get it, that's great, but maybe you get a little bit 
uh, of a bounce back if you take the points and the money line doesn't hit. That feels like pretty salient advice, right? I would agree with you. So that would be our actionable pro tip for hour number one. Of course, if you listen and watch VEASAN all day long, you get up to 20 pro tips a day as a VEASAN Pro subscriber. You can sort them out by show and or by sport, and we highly encourage you to do so. I cannot wait to talk to Mike Pritchard as we do each and every Thursday. Uh, of course, Pritch is the host of the Pro Football Blitz. Happy belated birthday, Pritch. Happy 30th <laughs> to you, sir. You can follow him on Twitter <laughs> at M.I. Pritchard. We've been talking a lot, I got to be honest, Mike, about Russell Wilson and the admission right. that he's doing high knees on the flight over to London, full participant in practice today. It doesn't bother me, but I think it starts to raise questions about what are you doing? Is he trying too hard? You've been in those locker rooms. Would you look at your quarterback a little sideways? You know what? Not really, guys. And great to be with you. I mean, Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. Like, he hasn't changed. He, he's the same Russell Wilson he was in Seattle. The only thing that's changed, uh, perhaps, are expectations because he hasn't played well, right? Uh, if, if Russell was, was with Seattle, he'd be doing the same thing uh, if they had a trip across uh, the ocean. Uh, I remember when I blew out my knee. I mean, I had a machine hooked up to my knee and going to bed with a wedge so I can get the swelling out of my knee uh, each and every night. So, I mean, as athletes, we do whatever we need to do to prepare ourselves. As a teammate, I wouldn't look sideways at Russell. I would expect it because <laughs> I, I think he's quirky that way anyway. I mean, he's he's just different. Uh, he sleeps four hours a day. He eats, sleeps, um, and and just... Uh, consumes football uh, almost 24 hours a day. So, yeah, it's not shocking to me at all. Well, based on the way he's playing, he should start sleeping some more. But uh, (laughs) speaking of a guy who looks like he's been playing without any sleep has been Tom Brady. Uh, What do you make of this team? Look, I I thought the one thing, and look, we know the greatness of Tom Brady, you know, the GOAT, et cetera. But, Mike, I think that last year he struggled a bit. And and even though he put up great statistical numbers, there were things where you could see they were a little bit off. I just feel like nobody's calling him out because of who he is. And still, Father Time is always undefeated. Right. You know, you guys had a great pro tip right there about making sure you get a payout, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I kind of did that, too, uh, when I had New England uh, as a teaser, a final teaser leg. It was going to cash out a big big portion for me. Uh, But what I did is I took the points on the other side with Chicago because I wanted to guarantee a payout. So uh, the reason why I say that is because I had a teaser because of the Belichick tax. Uh, I, I thought that line was inflated against Chicago, even though they're at home and Chicago's what we, you know, what we've seen Chicago be so far this year. I think there's a benefit of doubt tax uh, with Tom Brady. You know, at some point we're going to have to start looking at Tom Brady through the rearview mirror as opposed to the front windshield, uh, and I think that's happening right now. I mean, his his whole life is crumbling around him. You know, you think about on the field, it's not the same. And you're right, Amali. They, they have skewed the passing game almost 70% pass to 30% run, primarily because they can't run the football. Right. Um, but if, if you look at what they try to do, it's the same stuff as they did last year. So if you're the Steelers and you don't, you don't have defensive backs, you don't have to worry about that because, you know what, Tom Brady and the bunch are doing the same thing that they did last year. Uh, so just focus in on tendencies. And on a short week, I, I guarantee you, uh, the Ravens has focused in on the fact that Tampa Bay cannot run the football and they like to throw the ball 70% of the time. Uh, and, okay, what are the tendencies uh, where, down in distance where they are in the field for Tom Brady? And let's focus in on that, even though we might have some key guys out for this game tonight as well. 
David, love the analogy Mike just used there in terms of the rearview mirror and as opposed to where we're looking at Brady. I think he's spot on with that. I think it is. It's a great analogy. And also, gentlemen, I think what it gets to is what we're talking about here with quarterbacks that are with Russell Wilson, with Tom Brady. And I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Quarterbacks that we're not mm-hmm. used to yeah. overanalyzing things that might be happening in the locker rooms, things, you know, high knees on flights, Tom Brady's personal life. But when you lose, this stuff comes up, right, Pritch? That, hey, winning – it cures everything. We don't ask those questions. But when you start to slip up a little bit, we start to wonder. Let's talk about Rodgers. And now mm-hmm. some comments were made, basically it looks like he said, and he did include himself, we got to start looking in the mirror here, and we collectively are not playing well. I am not doing as much as I need to do. And maybe some of these young guys, if they're not getting it done, we have to go to some guys that aren't playing. How does that resonate in a locker room for a team like the Packers at 3-4 and four that are really struggling and now 11-point dogs Sunday night against the Bills? Oh, man, it's a bad dynamic because originally Rodgers didn't include himself. Uh, he was talking <laughs> about the others, right, to McAfee. And now uh, that people are asking him about it, he's cleaning it up and including himself. But I, I don't believe a one iota that, that Aaron Rodgers thinks that he's a problem. I, I think he <laughs> believes that it's everybody else, right? Because think about it. He's a Hall of Famer. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest players to ever play that position. Uh, how can I be doing the same thing I've always been doing. All of a sudden, I'm wrong, uh, and he's and he's not he's not wrong about that. But <laughs> can he can he humble himself enough to go to those young pups that are out there and explain it to them, as opposed to trying to undress them and trying to talk down to them as if he's an elite player, right? And to your point, Dave, I, I think that dynamic in the locker room is just misunderstood. Aaron Rodgers uh, is a different locker room. He is he is old. You know, like a guy like him, and, and I eventually became that guy, we call you pops, uh, like grandpa, right, in the locker room because you're old. Uh, and, and so it's a young man's game, man. And so that dynamic is cer- certainly in play, and nobody's going to have the same standard a- as you. You're a Hall of Famer. But it's just like, you know, Magic Johnson or, or anybody on an elite level trying to become a coach. It just doesn't work because the expectations are different uh, that drove you to be as great as you are. And uh, for whatever is happening, uh, he's not being able to relate to the players that certainly on our, are on his level. I, I, so how do you correct that, right? That's fascinating. Well, I thought you brought up a great point, Mike, which I completely agree with across all sports in terms of the great players. You mentioned Magic. Larry Bird's probably the only prominent player that I can think of. Maybe I'm leaving off some other people, but that have had mm-hmm. tremendous success. Generally, it's journeyman type of players, players that maybe had a cup of coffee in the league mm-hmm. that generally are the people that become coaches. Because you can't see even now in this day and age, a court, can you imagine a guy like Brady or Rodgers going through a practice with a quarterback? I mean, they're not doing film study like these guys or the way. I, I don't know if you guys had an opportunity to see Deion Sanders' speech on YouTube. Um, uh, Dave pointed out to me. It was I tremendous. Did. It's awesome. And, and I love what he yeah. said there. And it, you know, we all think of Deion's natural ability, which was immense. But people don't realize this guy was a film study junkie. Mike, you know you played with him. This guy was an elite-level guy in terms of preparation. But Dion would also go up to anybody. I mean anybody, the kicker, Um, uh, you know, uh, somebody who was undrafted, and and try to work with them. That's awesome. Like, here, let let me – come over here, young fellow. Come over here. I mean, let me work with you. Let me show you what I know. I mean, I was Dion, though. Those are the great ones, too. I mean, I I was fortunate – to play with a number of great players, uh, Elway included, Warren Moon included. So look, this is the standard, and this is the level that I'm on. I want you to get there. Here's- you got to take that long <laughs> flight. Did anybody do high knees on the way over? 
No high knees. Uh, we might have rolled some dice on, on the flight. We were, flying, we were flying from Japan. We had played the Japan Bowl, and then we flew to Hawaii for the Hula Bowl. How about that trip in college, huh? That's pretty I good go life. Back. I want to roll with Mike That's a pretty good life. Uh, Pritch, you're the best, man. Check out Pro Football Blitz here on VEASAN. We really appreciate your time, as always. Appreciate you guys. Good luck. Thank you. He's the best. I mean, those stories are just absolutely fantastic. When we come back, let's do some trading. Let's go and check in with Jeff Malm from DraftKings, the senior trader there, and figure out what is being moved, bought, and sold. Come on back, Big Bets on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. VEASAN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Compete for cash at a grand prize trip to Vegas with the Modelo Fight to the Top Series. Enter nine free fantasy football contests. Rise to the top of the leaderboard to claim your share of 5000 in weekly prizes and a grand prize trip to Vegas. Head to DraftKings.com slash Modelo NFL now to get in on all the action. Modelo, the official beer of fans with a fighting spirit, must be 21 or older. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com for details and please drink responsible back alongside of Marshall, we were debating the best eddie murphy movie of all time mm-hmm. uh before we get to our next guest and and you said beverly hills cop is really hard to beat right i totally get it Ach- i think Mal- Ach- well foley <laughs> yes 48 hours is way up there for me as well I, i've encouraged ben wilson here on the network to watch it for the first time but you, you brought up trading places Buy. Well, they're selling. They get out there and sell, sell. sell. Like, it's a, it, it is a classic, classic movie as he just made hit after hit in the 80s. But you're going to go Beverly Hills Cop number one? I am. I, I can't say that you're wrong. And the reason why I bring that up is because we're going to go to our senior trader right now from DraftKings, Jeff Mom. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Mom. Jeff, when you get to, uh, boy, I can't believe it. We're starting week eight of the NFL season tonight here with the Buccaneers and Ravens. It goes by like the blink of an eye. What are you seeing for the buying and the selling of tonight's game? Look, this number has moved a lot here where the Ravens were the favorite. Now the Buccaneers are the favorite. So I'm sure you've, you've had your share of buying and selling as the week's gone on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Definitely have. Um, as you said, the numbers moved quite a bit from the opener. Um, and we're kind of just sitting with the market right now. Uh, mm. Obviously, we've had to react to that as well. Dan, I want to go to the World Series. Obviously, a lot of interest, particularly when you look at a city like Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you got a lot of betters, a lot of people who have an interest in it. Now, all of a sudden, the Phillies find a way through. Um, price is a little bit, in my opinion, a little bit steep in terms of the Astros. I know they went 7-0 and in the postseason so far, but Philadelphia deserves a ton of credit for going 9-2 and uh, I think what nine and two so far. Really done a nice job. Uh, first of all, where has the money been coming in? And then just kind of get your opinion in terms of how you think this thing plays out. Yeah, like you said, the last month or so, they've they've been really impressive. Um, we've had to make quite a few adjustments uh, in the short term to their ratings. And this price is a lot shorter on their end than it would have been a month ago, for sure, for us. Um, I said last week, we haven't seen a whole lot of Astros money all year. That's kind of continued. Uh, once, once the series winners, winner was released, it's been a steady flow of Philly bets. We've seen a couple... Big bets on Houston the last two days. So that's kind of brought us back a little bit, but we're still huge Astros fans going into the series. Jeff, we mentioned obviously with the Thursday night football game tonight, the start of the NBA season, and of course the World Series tomorrow. How does it compare with the NFL and, and NBA here in the regular season with the World Series uh, starting on Friday? Are you seeing more 
futures on the entire series, or do you think it's more game by game? Yeah, so up to this point, it's been mainly all series. Hmm. Um, we have some props and some some derivatives series markets. Those are also getting bet, but series winner has been by far the most popular bet. I would expect once we get to tomorrow and it's actually game day, we'll probably see a lot more action on game one. And then obviously the live offering, we should see a pretty good handle on, on in play. Uh, but yeah, I mean, compared to an NFL Sunday, that's just a whole different beast. Um, and last night's NBA slate, again, full slate of NBA last night. So that, that also has eclipsed what we've seen so far. Uh, but it wouldn't shock me if tomorrow we come a lot closer to that number. Uh, in terms of the World Series betting here, when you look at it, Jeff, uh, how has the handle been before the World Series? Because the one thing I saw today was the ratings have been a little bit down, particularly for the NLCS. Um, has that impacted the betting at all? Because I know a lot of people may not bet baseball with regularity, but in the postseason it generally becomes a heightened in betting interest. Yeah, we've actually we've still seen some pretty positive numbers. Um, obviously, the NLCS was kind of a weird one. Padres not the biggest market in general. And then playing multiple day games during that series, especially on the West Coast, uh, competing with NFL Sunday right in the middle of the slate on Sunday didn't help them either. But all in all, we've seen pretty good action still. I'm talking with Jeff Malm here, uh, the DraftKings senior trader. Again, follow him on Twitter, Jeff underscore Malm. Uh, Jeff, I do want to ask a little bit of, you know, I was making the, the analogy with trading places for those who haven't seen that classic movie, the, the stock market and the trading that's going on and how chaotic it can be. Take us behind the curtain a little bit for you guys with all the different ways that you can bet on the World Series, not just the game and the futures market. How do you guys kind of, so to speak, make the sausage there? How does, how does the, is it a chaotic process or what's that like behind the curtain? Yeah, it definitely is as soon as uh, a series is determined and we've got to move on to the next one. Um, throughout the playoffs, I think we've, we've really pushed um, to have an extensive offering uh, with props and series derivatives and other markets. And I think we're confident that we would put our offering up with, with the rest of the uh, industry as well. In terms of the workload, it's definitely different. It's totally different than the regular season. Like I said, as soon as a series ends and we have a confirmed matchup, we're working to get as many markets up as we can that same night. And then the next morning, there's a lot more work for a lot of the derivative markets. All in all, everything pretty much goes back to our model. Um, our in-house numbers, our in-house ratings, projections, and then like something like the World Series, there's obviously got to be a bit more manual work um, adjusting some of those markets, specifically, you know, player head-to-head -head matchups. We have a series exact outcome, which is essentially a parlay of all the money lines of each game of whatever team you would like. Um, and so once you go down the line of all that, like I said, there's a bit more manual work in there too. So when you're coming to a number, let's say, for example, we're going to have Dave Ross versus Jeff Malm in terms of base hits or total bases tonight. Is that just a few traders that are kind of focusing in on that? Or where it's like, let's say, for example, a World Series number, you guys probably take a collective, right? You probably look at more people in terms of Jeff's opinion, Dave's opinion, in terms of where you see the series price in the World Series. But in terms of the individual matchups and markets, I, I would think that's a real challenge because, number one, you're working against time. You do have an idea who potentially is going to be there, right? We knew the Padres and the Phillies, Astros and uh, Yankees. So you have an idea of what potential players are there. But... Um, I would assume, is that a smaller number of people that kind of are engaged in terms of setting the number of the line for that? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's a pretty targeted uh, collective effort, I should say. Um, like I said, we are against time. Um, and a lot of it does derive from our model and our projections. We have player projections that come from that as well. 
And then it's kind of just a quick little teamwork of trying to put those together, looking ahead to who hitters, for example, may have to face through the series, what opposing pitchers they're going to see, how long we think this series is going to go. Obviously, that plays a big role as well. There's Tom versus time, and now there's Jeff versus time. Yeah, no doubt. I was going to say, if it's me against Jeff for most hits in, in game one, you're going to have to lay a pretty number with Jeff, probably minus 250, uh, and I would probably lay it. Hey, Jeff, very quickly before we say goodbye, uh, who are you guys rooting for from a DraftKings standpoint here? Are you seeing more of the money uh, come in on? Houston, you mentioned some big bets have come in shortly, uh, recently on the Strohs. Yeah, a couple big bets on Houston the last few days, but we're still big Astros fans. It's a significant decision for sure for us. Um, like I said, for whatever reason, we just haven't seen a ton of interest all year on them. Wow. And it's continued through the pro season. Uh, Phillies run. Obviously, like I said, we've made adjustments to their ratings. Uh, obviously, they've been hot and been able to kind of get on a roll here in October. And it's gained steam with the public as well. So aside from the couple big bets with Houston, it's still, like I said, significant decision for us. Uh, if we can get an Astros win, probably I would imagine one of the only books out there that would say that. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you look at the splits here. It is pretty uh, decisive here for the number of bets that have come in uh, on the Phillies, as you mentioned, almost 90% of those. Uh, but the number of handle, you look at the handle here, that's very interesting and telling. Uh, Stroh's 52% versus Philadelphia 48. Hey, we really appreciate it. Uh, get get some, uh, some reps against those righties and lefties because we're going to look for that prop on there on DraftKings. <laughs> Appreciate your time. As always, enjoy the World Series. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank there you. he is. Jeff Mom does a great job uh, with DraftKings as the senior trader. They, yeah, I, I was not. This is, won't be a surprise. I made the all-star team in baseball, mm -hmm. batting myself on the back. I hit 222. What I didn't understand is why did they have to put the averages on for 13-year-olds? Like, I know I can't hit. I made the team because I was a good defensive player. But you don't have to put that out there in the little book that they do for the All-Stars and point out that I was the buddy Biancolana of the team. Ooh, great reference there. Oh, <laughs> got to give you credit on that one. Going back in I'm going time. going way old school. Yeah, on that exactly. One. I, I like that one. <laughs> uh, by the way, so as Jeff mentioned there, some big bets. We talked to Mattress Mac in our number one, obviously. He's also a Houston Astros fan. It is, it is interesting to me that DraftKings – Pulling for the Strohs, Mattress Mac pulling for the Strohs here. It does feel like the public is on the Phillies. Well, I also think that Philadelphia is one of those long-shot teams that are a realistic possibility that you could bet on. It wasn't like taking the Kansas City Royals. No. Right? Like, when you look at there's probably a handful of teams in the American League, probably five or six, and I think when you look at the short list in the National League, Philly was probably one of those six or seven teams. You, you include the Dodgers. I don't know if you would have included the Padres before they made the acquisition of Soto. Mm -hmm. But still, I, I think Philadelphia in the East would have been one of those three teams you considered between the Mets and the Braves and, of course, Philly. And this should be an interesting series. Big news, though, is that Nola is going to get the start in game one. I like this move by Philadelphia. Really? Because I think it gives them a chance. If they win the game with Noah, now you're coming back with your guy, Wheeler. If you lost game one with Wheeler against Verlander, now you feel like you're up against it. You, you have an opportunity where even if you drop game one, you're still coming back with your best guy. I'll tell you what, let's come back after break yeah. and let's expand on that because I think it's a fascinating way to handicap it, certainly, uh, with that pitching rotation. A little slight shakeup there for the Phillies. We'll talk more about that and put our final thoughts on Thursday night football tonight between the Buccaneers and the Ravens. Come on back. It's Big Bets on Visa, the Sports Betting Network.
basketball season tipped off last week, and so did all the basketball promotions on BetRivers Online Sportsbook. BetRivers is the place to go for the latest odds, lines, and unique promotions, like our weekly same-game parlays. Place three or more same-game parlays each week to receive a free $10 basketball free bet during the months of October and November. Go to BetRivers.com, download the BetRivers app, it is a whole new ball game. Back alongside of Shaw, Dave Ross here, wrapping up this edition of Big Bets on VEASAN. We do have a pro tip for hour number two, and it uh, relates to the World Series. Now, we mentioned we're going to talk a little bit more about it. The pitching change here, it's not going to be Zach Wheeler going one. It's going to be Aaron Nola for the Phillies. They are decided underdog here in game one against the Strohs. So if Philadelphia potentially drops game one, you can maybe look to come back with a much better, obviously, series price at that at that juncture or bet on the Phillies with Wheeler going in game two. So what you're doing here, Maul, is, look, I like Aaron Noah. We understand that. But if you really like Wheeler and you go, man, why aren't they pitching Wheeler in game one and you're trying to really get the best of the numbers here in the series, then maybe wait if they drop game one with Noah to come back at a much better price in the series with Wheeler going in game two. Yeah, I think you got a great possibility of that. You'll be able to get Philadelphia probably somewhere in the 230, 240 range, mm-hmm. maybe you know, plus or minus a few cents here or there. But I think it's a great opportunity. Um, look, this is going to be a very good pitching matchup in the first couple of games. Both offenses have performed well, but you've got – Nola and Wheeler, you've got Verlander and Framber going for the Houston Astros. Just be a really fun and much more competitive series than the price indicates, in my opinion. Going to get right back to that point here in a second, but that, again, is our pro tip for hour number two here. And, again, all you have to do, watch, listen across the VEASAN spectrum. If you're a VEASAN Pro subscriber, and if you're not, what are you waiting for? You're going to have up to 20 pro tips a day to choose from here. When you go to VEASAN.com, you can sort them out by show and or by sport. Let's get right back to that point of all, because I think it is fascinating that you look what Rob Thompson's trying to do here now as the manager of the Phillies. So everybody would have assumed that with the long layoff now between the end of the, uh, the championship series here in the American and National League, that you would set your rotation. And what you're going to do is we're going to go with our number one, which is clearly Zach Wheeler. And we'll go ahead and put Aaron Nola two and some old school people like me would say, well, the reason why you would do that is potentially in the old days, you could then plan on pitching him games one, four, and seven right. if there is a seven. But you actually think this strategy here of putting Noah one and putting Wheeler two, it's not to say that Wheeler's not the number one, but you actually think the strategy makes sense here. I do because if you lose game number one with Aaron Nola on the mound, now you're coming back with your best pitcher in Wheeler against a very good pitcher in Framber Valdez, but not what they would consider their ace because of Verlander, even though I can make the argument that Framber's been just as good, especially down the stretch. Uh, But to me, if you steal game one, then you have Wheeler going, and if you're able to win that game, now you're coming back to Philly for three? I think this works out well. Look, you know, I think it's getting – overanalyzed simply because it's the World Series. And I hated the fact that they played these games. On Sunday, they ended. And then all of a sudden, they decided to take five days off (laughs) or four days off and then finally play on the fifth day there. I wish this thing had started on Tuesday or Wednesday because that's what baseball is. You have continuity going throughout the course of the season, Dave. And for me, it's not a shock if Philadelphia wins four out of seven. That's the one thing I love about baseball is that you could be in a slump. If Houston comes out for two, three games and they're struggling to put the ball in play, I mean, this thing could be over. Yeah, and again, for Metropolitan fans like myself, if you remember that series in the wildcard round against the, the Padres, the Mets did a similar thing, right? They threw Max Scherzer out in game one, and they held back 
air quotes, Jacob DeGrom to, air, to game two. Now, yeah. they lost game one, came back with DeGrom, who was not been dealing with some injuries and other things. But they did win that game two, right, which felt like the momentum was back. And then, of course, they lose game three with Chris Bassett. But the idea was we really keep that ace in the hole there in case things go south in game one. Absolutely right. All right, so we'll see if that plays out for the Phillies here. And, again, very quickly, I want to get into the MVP market uh, in the World Series because – this would hurt my play. And by the way, it is reflected in the market. If you remember earlier in the week, Zach Wheeler was 17-1. He dips a little bit to 18-1 because it looks like it's two starts max now. The only thing that that does is when you make him your second game two starter, there's no opportunity to potentially start three games. I would agree with you, but I think we just don't see that anymore anyway we because don't. you have these teams so, so uh, analytics-driven. They're just not going to do that, and I think that's why you're probably not or would not be likely to see that if Wheeler and uh, Verlander went in game one, unless they had a really bad outing. If if you had to play a pitcher on this MVP board, and because of that, the new age of baseball, where we get to those pens and we just don't let those starters eat like the old days. Like the, Jack Morse isn't walking through that door. Right. Right. Is there is the value gone? Because Verlander's 10 to 1, Valdez is 12 to 1, and that's – Reflected because the Strohs obviously are the favorites to win. When you look at Wheeler and Noah now at the same numbers at 18 to 1, can, can Wheeler theoretically now would be what, a game two and a game six? They go shove for seven shutout innings. Is that what, what it would take to even be considered as an MVP as a starting pitcher? Yeah, I think you have to have two dominant games, probably about 15 innings pitched, minimum 14, and really give up a couple of runs or less. Maybe you can go 13 if you go, you know, one run over that course of that time. But also, a lot of it's going to be dictated by how well the offensive guys perform, right? Like, if you have a Reese Hoskins or a Bryce Harper type of series or a Carlos Pena type of series, I think it becomes difficult for the pitcher to win it. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And by the way, I don't know when the term shove came into Major League Baseball dialogue, but I love it. I'm not familiar with it. They just be like, he just went out there and shoved. Just shoved it for seven innings. I've never heard that before. Really? I Is that just something I say? I, I'm telling you, I watch baseball every day. I've never heard that term before. I think I got it from training day. I won't go into the specific scene. Uh, so let's get to Thursday night football if we could. All right, King Kong. <laughs> Pelican Bay. <laughs> so the Ravens right now are now catching a point and a half against the Buccaneers. This line has flipped a lot as the week has gone on where it could have been Buccaneers laying, are getting two. Uh, earlier in the week, after that dismal performance against the Panthers, we talked to Josh Applebaum uh, later on this hour, or earlier this hour, and certainly Mike Pritchard as well. Is this a get-right game for Brady now? Because I look at the the starters that are going to be missing for for Tampa Bay, and I go, man, this is a wounded duck that Tampa Bay is throwing out there. But again, to the point made earlier, Mark Andrews might not go as well; hasn't practiced all week. I don't know if that cancels out the lack of receivers that Tom Brady's going to have. But, boy, this does feel like it's it's the walking wounded for both sides. Yeah, it's a code red for both sides. I mean, <laughs> to is. me, the reality is you mentioned Mark Andrews being out of that lineup. I, Boy, when I think about Debo Samuel is probably the most valuable talent mm. to a team on the perimeter. Uh, I'm not saying there aren't better players than Mark Andrews. I'm not trying to insinuate that. But I think for a quarterback, and that includes Mahomes and Kelsey, George Kittle in San Francisco, I don't know if an individual receiver tight end is more valuable to a single quarterback than wow. Mark Andrews is to Lamar Jackson. Now, maybe there's somebody I'm leaving off the list. You, no, know, I, you could say Diggs to Josh Allen or Jamar Chase, but you've got Boyd, you've got Higgins. 
um, Josh Allen makes plays. You you know you've got other guys there that can make plays in in um, in Buffalo. But to me, when I look at it, man, I I don't know. I I think Mark Andrews is the most important cog outside of Lamar Jackson in that offense. I think it's a great point. I think it's it's uh, when you look at trust, mm-hmm. right? And and you're mentioning kind of number ones with their quarterbacks, and certainly there are trust levels there. But you're right, the drop-off yeah. from some of those other number ones that you made those comparisons to. You might be right. There might not be a bigger drop-off from Mark Andrews to who? Hollywood <laughs> Browns, you know, he's out in Arizona these days. And you just look at it and go, well, then what's next for, for Lamar Jackson? Is it all about the running game if Mark Andrews can't go tonight? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You mentioned Hollywood Brown. You know, to me, he feels like he's going to be a Hollywood actor soon out of work. <laughs> but the reality of it is when you look at this Ravens team, inconsistency has plagued them right now at the running back position this year. You know, um, Gus Edwards have been banged up. Yeah. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is injured again, unfortunately. Uh, we've seen Ronnie Stanley be hurt on the offensive line. You need Bateman. You de- need Demarcus Robinson, these guys, to step up. And then you mentioned the tight end position. Does Josh Oliver deliver? Come on, let's be real here. Isaiah Likely, are these guys the wow. ones that are going to be able to step up and deliver at a level that Mark Andrews can? No, I, I'm right there with you. It feels like a, a heck of a, a drop-off there, a precipitous drop, uh, to, to be sure. Very quickly, when you look at the Buccaneers, they can't run the football. So I know we always talk about the wide receivers and Brady and everything. They just can't get the running game right now going at all. So if they can't do that, and we know the Ravens can run the ball, I mean, it feels like Karate Kid. It's open season on him and you when I'm looking at Tom Brady, right? Like, Because we're going to pin our ears back and try to go get 12 if you can't run playoff Lenny here and get anything going on first and second down. Playoff, Lenny. Give me a break. This guy's been a fraud since he left LSU. I mean, looked like Tarzan played like Jane. To me, he's not been worthy of a top-five pick throughout his career. He had a couple of good games, and all of a sudden, this guy's getting anointed like he's Adrian Peterson or something. I know. Like, let's put him in the Hall of Fame. Wait, what? I mean, let's, let's settle down that, that role with it. I'm all a lot of fun, as always, my friend. Uh, boy, what a show we had today. Uh, Hall of Famers up and down it, obviously, with Brent Musburger in here and Jimmy the Greek. Uh, excuse Jimmy the Greek. Jimmy Vaccaro and we were talking about Jimmy the Greek and NFL Sunday. And, of course, Mattress Mack, who joined the program with Mike Pritchard and Josh Applebaum. Thanks for watching. Final Countdown is next here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. 